It is an awesome thing when your life is placed in the hands of a living God. And I know you have heard that statement before, but when you really recognize what it means, you recognize the cost is everything. What Shannon declared, what she prayed, what she spoke is truth, used to be a privilege, used to be a choice. We're coming into a time where that is no longer choice. The choice is hot or cold. It's not to be in the middle. Let's pray as we silence our cell phones. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. We trust you. We give you not just this moment. I certainly ask, Father, that the words that come from my mouth are only of you. I give you my mouth. I give you my will, my hands, my feet. I give you everything of me. But, Father, we give you this time. We give you our yes to do in this place what you will. For it truly is an awesome place to be in the hands of the living God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Before time, before anything, certainly that we know, there was the triune God who always has been, who never had beginning, who will never have end. And there was a choice that the triune God made for the sake of fellowship. The triune God known by us as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit decided for love's sake to create, created first the angels, who in times of old they called them the watchers. Why? Because they literally were, were created to witness what God was about to do. Then knowing as they were created for servanthood, they could not fulfill what God, who is love, desired because of his love. And that was the return of love. To be loved. 
So God created man and woman. Created him in his image. The imprint and expectation of pure fellowship. Not that they were created to be God. But they were created for and with the capability of fellowship with God. That's why we were created. By love, we were created for love. See, God took a great risk, which he knew, obviously. You you have to understand, before we were created, this was outside of time. God is still outside of time. Think of, think of time being an inanimate object. If this cell phone is time, and I am outside of it, I am outside of what time controls. It isn't until I insert myself into that, that time becomes a factor in my life. Does that make sense? God is always outside of time. Always. But in creation, he created a process, and because he ran the risk of giving us choice, because that's the only way that we can have real love, is by choice, and that choice being ours. We can't be told, if I were to tell Isaac, you have to love me, right? You have to like me. You, you can't not love me. That wouldn't be choice on his part. That wouldn't be love. It isn't until Isaac gets to know me and by his own choice chooses to love me for who I am that it is real love. It's the same with his creation. He gave us choice for that very purpose. But in that choice, sin was found in his original creation. You all know it. This is not a new story. Pride was found in the heart of Lucifer. In that pride, bless you, in that pride began to manifest the very choice that would become our choice. Because it wasn't until Adam and Eve recognized the choice that they became accountable for that choice. And again, we all know the story. They fell. Right? Adam sinned. Said Eve was deceived, but Adam knew what he was doing. Adam, by choice, because of love, Actually, because of his love for Eve, he made the choice to die with Eve rather than live. Who's that sound like? That's why they call him the first Adam. Right? Jesus made a choice. And you know what? I'm not there yet. 
we have a little bit of history still to go through. But we were created for this love, and all of a sudden, this perfect place that God had built for fellowship with him, where he walks with his creation in joy, in fellowship, in fun, in love, this this immense love that has to have a place to be directed, now was cut off. It was cut off because of man's choice. It was cut off because of Adam's choice. And because of that, Adam was forced to leave. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden, had to leave this place of perfection. And there's so much in there, man. You could dive in there for half your life and never pull out all the nuggets in that. But then began this process, go be fruitful and multiply. But the problem is, in the multiplication, there was this pass down of sin. Because one man, sin, entered into the world. Once it was in the world, it was in the world because everyone after that was born into that sin. You understand? When we were born onto this earth, we were born into that sin. We were born into that fall. Into that imperfection. But we were not born without a choice. We were born with every single choice that Adam and Eve had. And all others before us have had. I know you've heard this story, but there's a reason why we're going through this. Throughout that time, there have been battles, there have been victories, there have been defeats, all in the name of this fellowship with God. But from the moment, and even long before even the Watchers were ever created, God knew what was going to happen, right? Because, remember, he is outside of time. He can look into the placement of time. He can see the beginning from the end because he was before. He will be after. He encircles it. He can see everything about it. That's why God experiences all of it together as one. Every moment. To experience the fall, the choice that Adam made is no different to him now than it was almost 6,000 years ago. Because he is outside of time, he experiences it all. Even prophetically, even what is to come, he experiences that before creation was ever made. So it came a point where he decided, I need a place to focus my love. Because the world is clearly not coming after me. I will focus my love. And he found a heart. And and in, in using my nomenclature, don't take it like he didn't know and he just happened to find him. No, God knew everything. But he found in the heart of Abraham a heart that's willing to say yes. 
willing to love God, willing to just be whatever he wants him to be. And in that, he made him a promise. He said, in you, because of your heart, because of your faith, because of your willingness just to believe, I will make you the father of many nations. But one nation in particular that is going to be my children there on earth for the purpose of loving me, for the purpose of giving their lives to me. And so he began to build this nation in Abraham, this nation that was to give themselves to God. He would be their God and they would be his people. And you know the stories. Brooke talk, talked about it a little bit. I think in, in your prayer, whatever it was during worship. There were times where Israel would turn to him. Times where Israel would turn away. No matter what he showed in his love for them, in his power as the only God, there was always the competition of him being their full God. And you know, it came up to a point where God knew there had to be a payment for this sin in order for there ever to be fellowship. Ever to be intimacy on a grand scale. He knew that from the beginning too. Before the world was ever created, the son had already made his choice. Because he could look into time and see what was coming. He made his choice as the son of God who was an equal part of the triune God. He made a choice to insert himself into his own creation and become a man. That is, I've been saved for 40, 47 years. And as long as I have known the Lord, that thought... I can't get my arms wrapped around it. That he would insert himself into his own creation. If you talk to just about anybody in the world, their answer would be the same as mine. Why didn't you just wipe them out and start all over again? Because of love. Because he loves us. So... The Father sent His only Son because He had to be sent. There are two things that happened there because it had to be full agreement. The Father sent and the Son went by choice. Inserted Himself into creation. Was born of a virgin. Not born of man's seed that brings defilement but was born of a virgin. Grew up learning who he was. Can you fathom that? Jesus, the Son, part of the triune God, having to learn who he was. 
And all my years understanding, growing up in religion, growing up teaching it. Good night. And all those years, I never understood the real fact that God, Jesus, who is God sent to this earth, had to learn who he was. He was born as a baby, just like us. The difference is, the Bible says, he was born without sin, and yet he never committed sin. Boy, wouldn't we all like to have kids like that? (laughs) But he had to learn who he was. Because that was the only way he could show us the path, the way, the way to really have faith and trust. He already paved that way. He paved that path. Knowing full well that he would not conquer when he was on this earth. Even though it had been prophesied many, many years ago that he will come. In the book of Daniel, he will come as a conquering king. That's why Israel was really confused. And the triumphal entry, they're all excited about him coming into Jerusalem because now he's going to take David's throne and as a conquering king, he's going to get Rome out of there. And Jesus just looks at the city and says, Oh, all those times I would just gather you into my arms if I could. Do you think he was talking about his life those 33 years on this earth? No. He was talking about all the times in history. And by the way, he wasn't just talking about Israel. He was talking about his creation. Oh, if you would just listen. If you would just love me. If you would just be excited about me, what I would do in wrapping my arms around you. See, Jesus knew who he was. He knew his sacrifice. He knew by faith what that sacrifice would purchase. And and don't be confused. Everything Jesus did as a man, I'm going to tell you two things about it. One, he never acted as God. Ever. All the miracles he did were the Holy Spirit working through him. He never, even when he was tempted to do so. Why? Because he could have. He was God. He didn't give up his Godhead when he became a man. He walked this earth as he was God. But he never chose to use that authority as a man. You with me on this? Do you understand that? Because, see, it had to be a pathway that he could show us that we could follow. I'm not God. Shannon's not God. You're not God. We couldn't follow it if he did it as God, because then we could just come and say, of course he did it. Of course he was able to do it. He's God. That's why he had to learn obedience, the Bible says. Now, does that mean that he learned it through disobedience like us? Like, okay, you're in trouble. Go get the rod. You don't see that as much today. 
I won't go there. <laughs> Probably not a good idea to go there. Right? It wasn't about him learning because of being disobedient. When it talks about learning by obedience, it's learning through faith. When we have the faith to learn, the faith to open up and say, God, just teach me, that's what the yes is. When we give God our yes, it is opening ourselves up to believe things that are unbelievable. I mean, really. That's what faith is. If faith was something that, well, we can believe in this controlled environment. We can believe in this set of rules that have been concocted that we can control. I can believe that God will grow this church. Why? Because we got a really good marketing program. I believe that God can grow and do everything he wants to in Nigeria because we have HSP raising money for us. And it's really successful. Boy, if that was our position, shame on us. No, I believe God can grow Nigeria and grow the 80,000 acre ranch there and all the things that we do there that are these mind-blowing things. Why? Because he said it. Because he said. I didn't go over there for the first time because God said, hey, here's how we're going to get you the money that you're going to need to do all this stuff. I didn't even know we were going to do all this stuff. I just knew he said go. He gave me a ticket. Okay. I didn't know where I was going to sleep. I didn't know what I was going to do. And you know, you know that story. That's not the point of this. The point is Jesus learned by faith to trust in God the Father. To allow his Holy Spirit to work through him to do exactly what the Father's will was. Jesus never once came here to do his own will. The only will that Jesus had that was fulfilled on this earth as a man was his choice to give his life. And that was only in obedience to the Father. Because we had to have that in order to have fellowship with him. So then, as Paul described, this beautiful mystery began to be revealed. This thing called the church. After Jesus died and everybody was so upset thinking that he was going to come and, and get Rome out of there and everything else, the few believers, the handful of believers that trusted him in that same faith that Jesus had already plowed the ground for, began to unravel this mystery, this mystery called the church, the bride, the bride of Christ. And over the last 2,000 years, that mystery has blossomed. It has been crushed in many ways. The enemy has tried to silence it. But now we come to a place in that block of time, right? Time is finite. Time is a dimension. Think about it that way. Time is a dimension just like length, height, width. 
Time is a dimension. If you don't believe it, go back to school. (laughs) Study science. Right? So in this time, being a dimension, God looks at it and we are moving toward the time in this realm where his bride is to be ready. His bride is to be ready for him to receive the groom. What does that mean? It means faith, guys. It means faith. It means believing everything that the Lord has shown us in his word, has told us. It's about faith. And the time in which this is happening, don't think that because it's time, it's going to be easy to believe. Why would it be any easier to believe now than when Jesus came as a man, as the Messiah? You ever think about that? How in the world did they ever miss that? When Daniel literally prophesied it down to the very day. I mean, you can't get more precise than that. Down to the very day that Jesus walked in that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Daniel had prophesied that hundreds of years earlier. But yet they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't hold on to it. They couldn't believe it. Why? Because their faith was dead. See, I believe that faith, although dormant, is alive right now. I believe it. Because I even see signs of people believing these things that are the most whacked things in the world. Easily provable. Now, I won't go down that road like flat earth or anything like that. But see, faith is running and abounding on this earth. It's just directed in the wrong way. It's directed in the wrong place. And so it is time. It is time now that God is redirecting that faith for those who would believe. It doesn't change the choice that we all have. We all have free will. We all have choice. But to take that faith that has been placed in us and to place it on the Father and say, I believe you even though I don't see it. He's doing that. Why? Because the bride must become ready. It is time for the bride to be ready. Now this process of him doing it comes at great cost. Because he said in Revelation chapter 3, he said, he said, I can't have all of you. He said, I can only have those that are fully committed to me. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold because the lukewarm, the lukewarm are the ones that take part of who I am and control it. See, that's not part of the ready bride. And 
in this time that we're in right now, it comes at great cost to have that faith, to believe. And the purpose of this is what? Fellowship. To relink what the Father had with Adam and Eve so long ago. To relink that on a mass scale, to bring to fruition the very thing that God wanted to do in the first place was have a nation after Him. That's why what He does with the bride is meant, and with the church, is meant to bring jealousy to Israel because He's not done with Israel. Everything He has prophesied about Israel will come true. He's literally showing it in the pride. And then he will take his bride. And then it will come to fruition with Israel. So the point is this. There is so much passion on the earth right now. And I know we talk about this this younger generation and how passionate they are and they have nowhere to place the passion so they place it wherever they see and and that's true. But you know what? It's not just the younger generation that has that passion. It's the world in which we see it right now. Why? Because the world is ripe in that passion to make the choice. To make the choice. He wants us to be passionate for Him. He wants us to give Him everything. And and that may look differently for different people. And what I mean more is the cost may look different to different people. Because He places in us specific things that He wants us to do. But His love... What he, this morning he took me to Ezekiel 33 and, and he, he just said, tell them I love them. Tell them that they can make the choice to love me. And trust me, it will cost them everything, but it will gain them everything. I want you to turn to... Ezekiel chapter 33. I want to start at verse 10. Ezekiel 33 verse 10 says, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, and this is the Father's heart, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And I just want to read all the way down through verse 20. And you, son of man, say to your people, the righteous of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall 
by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the, when, when the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. By the way, those, those, that verse right there, I want you to understand, this is talking about what we control in our own relationship with the Lord. That's called religion, when we try to control it. What he's saying is the wicked will not... <coughs> Let's let's read that that again. The the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. The wicked will not be taken out because of their wickedness. It is simply not by their hands that their their life will move forward. And God have his will. It is because of that relationship with the Lord. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his deeds, his righteous deeds, shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. This is really the picture between relationship and a label. If you are simply labeled as a Christian because you received Jesus into your heart and you are saved... That does not constitute relationship with Him. It opens the door for that. It opens the possibility for that. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that it is that is not just. When the righteous turn from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. See, it is in that relationship that we begin to understand his justice. What he put on my heart so heavy this week, all throughout the week, is the difference between his wrath and his justice. We hear of the wrath of God. We read mostly in the Old Testament about the wrath of God and how God comes down on Israel, came down on other nations, even for Israel's sake, because of his wrath. And then we start to build in our minds as a society that... that God's kind of moody, right? Well, if he's mad at you, he's really mad at you. And he has to take care of that so he can be happy again. That's really what the the world believes. The world that believes in God in the first place. It couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is the wrath is a... A, a, what comes out of his justice. What is his justice? His justice is his holiness. 
See, because God is holy, He is a holy God, He cannot commune with us who are unholy. That's why Jesus had to come in the first place. So He gives us this opportunity in relationship to be covered in the blood of His Son, but to walk in righteousness in that relationship, to walk in that life. It doesn't mean sinless. The only time that we will be sinless is when we shed this shell that came from sinful man. But it doesn't mean that we cannot walk in righteousness. It's like Jesus taught when they said, how do we pray? He said, every day, go before the Lord, ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness for what you've done. And by the way, in the same breath, forgive. Forgive others for what they have done to you. He didn't say, do this once when you get saved, and it covers you for the rest of whatever. He said, when you have a relationship with me, you will keep those barriers away. You'll come before me every day. You'll ask forgiveness when I place it on your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of sin. When we recognize that we ask forgiveness, that breaks down that barrier. That allows the fellowship. When he's talking about, up here in verse 11, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn back, turn back from your evil ways. He's not talking about just the unsaved. He's not saying there, oh, I just wish the unsaved would not be so wicked and they would turn from that and get saved. Man alive. If that's the truth, then he really screwed himself over. Because the very reason he sacrificed his son in the first place was for fellowship. Fellowship does not come as a result only of accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. That begins the path. That opens the door to relationship. I've said it many times, that buys us our ticket to heaven. And what's sad is there are so many that are satisfied with that. I'll just take my ticket to heaven. I got this life, because you've already guaranteed me that I'll be in, in heaven the next one. So don't wait. God, thanks. I'm good. I'm going to control this part right here. Why? Because there's a sin in it that I really like. And don't think... That sin is just something that's this in-your-face type stuff. So much of the bride is full of sin that you don't see. There's pride. Everybody deals with pride. And, and don't think, oh, well, this person, really they really cut themselves down all the time. It's not them. Baloney. That is pride. Pride surfaces itself in many different ways. 
And it leads to so many other things. One of the greatest things that Christians do all the time and churches that really push the religious spirit do all the time is control. Oh my goodness. I mean, if I were to ask for hands in here, there would not be a single hand that would not be raised in saying, do you want to control your life? Of course I do. Yes. Pick me. I want to, I want to control my life. But it's that choice of giving that control to God that opens the barriers to that relationship. And sometimes it's hard to really recognize this because we can take control in the smallest of ways. We take control in ways that, uh, you know, it just happens to be a pet peeve of mine, so I really don't pay attention to that. You know, but I just like things a certain way that they are, so, you know, that's just part of my life. I'll move on and let me work on these other areas. That's why relationship also is not something that happens overnight, and it's finalized overnight. It's finalized over a life, over a lifetime. Because, see, then God finally gets what he wanted out of the whole thing. That's love. In relationship with him, we give him love. But recognize in the times that we're in, and I'm not going to go any further on this. Recognize in the times that we're in, it's not his judgment that is upon us. It's not his judgment that is coming in great measure. It's his justice. It's his holiness. It's that holiness paving a way for relationship. He can't be with us otherwise. He needs us to be passionate for him. I've said this many times, what would it look like for a small group of people like what we are here at Ignition to just be all out passionate for God? Give him our full yes in whatever he wants? What would that look like? I think he's already shown a portion of that. What, it, what, what would it look like? It looks like sold out lives. It looks like lives that are being sustained in ways that wouldn't make sense. They don't make sense. I mean, literally everybody almost in here has that same story. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he sustained this. I don't know how we have 80,000 acres in Nigeria. I don't know how we have over 3,000 people all over the United States that have given toward that. I don't know. I don't know. I get their letters. It's really cool. It is the most amazing thing to read a letter. I opened one just yesterday. Read a letter from somebody who doesn't know us, doesn't know me, but they know God. And they just write in there how, how in love they are with what we're doing. Why? Because of God. Because they are connected with him and we have the same dad. They're just expressing that. Now I'm going to go one step further. Because, see, we have seen in part what God will do with this small group. What would it look like? 
if the bride, if all of the bride would be passionate for him, what would that look like? Man, for, forget that even for a moment. What, what, if, what if just in Newark, what if the bride just in Newark would be unified together and fully on fire for Jesus Christ? Forget the doctrine that separates us. That is stupid. I'm sorry, but it's stupid. Because if we serve the same Father, guess what? He's going to work all that out. He's going to show all that in truth. It's those who step into that group that say, I want to control it because I believe blank. They're the ones making a foolish decision. See, if we serve the same Father, we have to trust that He'll show truth. If we build relationship with the same Father, we have to trust that He'll show truth. So what would it look like if just the bride that's in Newark, right here, would be passionate for Him? Give everything to Him. I can't wait because we're going to see it. We're going to see it. We are going to see a world, a bride, passionate for him all over the globe. I'm just eager for the next step. We see it here at Ignition. But I'm eager for that next step where it's outside of these walls. Where Newark becomes so on fire for him that those who would not choose him can't even come close without being convicted, without seeing the truth of what he offers and who he is. Oh, God is so good. He is so good. And he loves us so desperately. And that love will not wait any longer. It's kind of, kind of like, for, for those of you who are married, when, when the, the date's coming up, it's like, man, alive, seriously. You know, that, that's why we had a, a really short time of being engaged. I don't know, maybe it's impatience too, but whatever. But, but you're looking forward to that time. You're looking forward to that day when I, I remember thinking, oh, it, it's like that's when everything begins. I get to begin. Right? I, I, I think I was almost 25, and no, it's just beginning. Because now I have this partner in life that, that's going to make me complete. Going to make me better. I will make her better. Way better. <laughs> you know, that's dangerous to say when she's coming up to the microphone after me. Right? <laughs> wow. Sorry. Delete. But we're... <laughs> yeah, I know. When it's out on the web, it's out on the web. Right? No, but bottom line is you you long for that day. Don't you think Jesus longs for that day? Don't you think he longs for that day when the bride is ready and he says, all right, Father says, go get them. Go get them. Go bring them home. Bring them to me. Why? Because they're ready. They're passionate. I, I can't handle being apart anymore. Do you not think Jesus 
goes through those same things? Do you not think that the Father goes through those same things? Except for the fact that he's outside of time, and, and they, can, they can look at it from outside of time, and they certainly have more patience than us. But the feelings are there. They long for us. They long for you. They long for relationship, passionate relationship with you. Not some life that you live that kind of honors God a little bit because you pay your tithe. Oh, wow. I'm not saying pan tithe is bad, but man, if that's your whole relationship with Him, keep your money. Seriously, keep your money. Because He just wants passion from you. Why? Because He has passion for you. That's what He wants. Let's come on up. Um, someone had said a while ago that they were confused by the word bride and you need to know the word of God to understand that term and the Lord was just showing me as he was giving this word today that the reason bride is used is because of what marriage is actually a picture of it's almost like um, in this readying of the bride, the Lord is saying, I want to I wanna clean up the marriage and make sure that it is what it was intended to be. And when we got married, you know, it's the cost aspect was that there is no other. Okay? He, he was going to, and, and, and myself, we were, you know, when you are dating and so forth, and there's human parallels that aren't the perfect picture of of our relationship with the Lord. But the cost of a pure marriage is that there is no one else. You are devoted to that one. And even though in the devotion to that, if he were to say, look, you know, I love you and I'm not cheating on you. So stop complaining. Like, you know, how would that be a rich marriage? If we once a week made sure that any grievances that we had between us were remedied, what would the rest of the week look like? You know, when we go before the Lord and keep ourselves in right standing with him to have open fellowship, it's any time we think of it. Because if you can imagine in a marriage, if we waited and we just did our once a, once a week, Saturday night, before we go and preach, so we're not hypocrites, let's go ahead and solve all the fights we've had. You know, if we did this once a week, what would the rest of the week in interaction look like? What happens for people that do that, for couples that do that? One of two things happen. There's either intense um, emotions and anger and fighting through the week, or there's a complete disconnect where they just kind of stay away from each other and don't address anything. Both are toxic to the closeness. And that's really um, what it is with the Lord. If this fellowship that he's inviting us into doesn't take us to a all the time, not just the cost that you're going to, because the first commandment, as we know, is thou shalt serve no other gods. We're not to serve any other gods. God wants us to be single-eyed for him, devoted to him only, no other gods. But if you think that that's all it is, yes, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get into Buddhism or you know, any other religion. 
that still doesn't allow us to grow in this relationship without that cultivating of what it takes to build the interaction. And um, the other thing, too, that, that he was showing me in that parallel is, you know, I'm not seeing the value in what um, just how it does complete me to invest into a wonderful marriage. There is something that, um, that God uh, does when he, when he brings people together and uh, in, in the marriage as in a particular example. And when we are um, connected with the Lord, with the Lord Jesus, it's like every part of our lives. We talked downstairs this morning about hidden places. And from Luke chapter 12, which I encourage you to read, it's a long chapter, but the, just the first part of it, Jesus just gets right into the fact that everything said in secret, spoken in secret, will be made known. And um, when we give him every secret compartment, everything that is hidden, uh, and, and ask him what's hidden to us. We may know that, some, that we're hiding something most of the time. For the average Christian, they don't know what's being hidden. It is hidden from them because they don't understand that there is a cost. There is a cost to everything that we desire in life. And, and one other point I want to make because I just, I just found so many points to just resonate with so many places that I was in this week with, with the Lord. But um, when, we are, um, when we are completely sold out to the Lord... The trust and the faith that he was speaking of versus this control is that he understands how we're made. You know, part of the reason why people are not living and walking in this sold-out, passionate relationship with the Lord is because they really fundamentally, if you peel back the layers, they really kind of believe that they won't ultimately have what they want. But yeah, but I want this, and I, but I want, I've always wanted money, I've always wanted friends, I've always wanted this relationship, and... There are fundamental needs and desires of our heart that we think go unnoticed by God. And so we revert back to that self-preservation, that control, that I have to pursue this relationship or this career or, well, I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted to go to school because nobody else in my family went on to college and so I'm going to be that one or I've always wanted to have children so I'm just going to pursue, you know, I just I want to have a big family. And all of these things are not bad things. But if they're not what God wants and when he wants it, it will get us off track. See, trusting God for a desire, and each one of us, we know, we know that this exists. There are desires of our heart that right now are unmet in the sense of fulfillment. But God looks outside of time, and many of us are in this process, and he sees, that we're, he sees where he wants to take us. But when we take our eyes off the Lord, we think that the fulfillment of this desire is going to come down this path. And God's like, you don't even understand that it was me that put that fundamental desire within you. I'm the one that created you. You know, the, the, the poster, the bumper sticker that says the God-shaped hole. I'm the one that gave you the desires that I know how to fulfill. Now, our desires go amiss. When we try to fulfill them in our flesh, our carnal man certainly has fleshly desires, but I'm talking about that, that desire to recognize something beyond ourselves. And so when we, when we place that in the Lord's hands, I've been saying this, reminding Yvonne for this, you know, be thankful for your friends. If you don't have friends, be careful not to just pursue 
things like that with your own control because God knows the kind of friends. You know, you can, when you get friends the wrong way, you can bring so much baggage into your life. When God brings you a friend, it can be so beautiful. Give your friendships to the Lord. Give your, the, the desire to be married to the Lord. Give the desire to not be married anymore to the Lord and let him heal that <laughs> if that's a problem for you. Sometimes there's, there's a desire to want something, to just want to be happy. And be careful about the subliminal voices through uh, media, through movies, through novels, through uh, all of our entertainment that says, oh, you know, if it feels good, do it. Or, well, you know what, if the heart wants this and, you know. Some of the ways of fulfillment, while it's sounding good on the surface, is uh, Satan just redirects, and he's always trying to get us off the mark to pursue things outside of God. Most people are very deceived about how the enemy works, and they think that he just wants everybody in blatant sin. He knows, Satan knows, that if he just gets us a little bit off track, if he just gets us desiring to control our own lives, he's got us. Because that, in and of itself, will take us down a dark rabbit hole, if you will. Um, so this, this idea of walking by faith, it, it may have its cost, but the rewards are so incredible. And I always go back to Psalm 37, 4, which says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight in him, in who he is, and that he made you, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that verse isn't, those first two statements are not, they're, they're directly connected. They're not mutually exclusive. They're not delight in him and then pray and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That They go perfectly together because what God has shown me, he has so changed the desires of my heart. And when he changed it, it was like, whew, thank you, Lord, that I didn't get this that I wanted. The man that I was without a ring, but we were in emotion and commitment engaged before I met your, I feel like I'm talking to my children before I met your father, um, before I met my husband. Um, I remember that I pursued and pursued that relationship. Just, I mean, God just had to, and story that I will not share, but he had to just rip him from my life. And, you know, when you get perspective, when you finally get God perspective on a path that you were going down, that, that he delivered you from, but at the time you felt like God hated you and didn't want you to have a good life, <laughs> I look back and I go, wow, thank you for what could have been that was not. And I was so determined. In, in hindsight, I go, man, I was so determined to destroy my life. It was all I wanted at the time, and I was fighting with everything in me to have that. And sometimes God will allow you to, as Greg said at the beginning, to learn from our sin that, that Jesus didn't learn that way. He learned through faith, but oftentimes don't we learn from our mistakes. But boy, when we place our lives, our desires, whatever you want, don't assume. Please hear me. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Don't assume that because you want something that in and of itself is fundamentally good, that you are wanting something that God has for you. That is not true. There are people that desire desperately to go to mission fields that God has never called them to. There are people that desire to pastor churches to start ministries that God has not called them to, or at least not in that particular time. It's got to be God's way and God's time for it to be the perfect fruit 
that's right. We tout all the time that the Nigerian group has sacrificed so much to go. But you ask them, they have had to go in his time, in his ways, and the way it goes. And that's why they're here now. None of them in their flesh want that. They've gotten a taste. They've gotten a taste of what it feels like to be on the ground and hug the orphans and be with the, the churches and love on people. But God has them assigned here. They're still in the same calling, but God has them here. And when you give God, when you allow God to be in the driver's seat, it will not look like human logic and reason, but it will be perfect every time. And it costs us our flesh to see those things. So if you ever thought you weren't a seer, by the way, discernment is seeing as well. Wisdom, revelation, and ability to discern is also a seer gift. And boy, we all ought to want that. Nothing I want more than of discerning his spirits and understanding. Is my human spirit taking over? Or am I letting an authority of demonic spirits take over? Or is the Holy Spirit of God driving my life? Because I don't know too many people who actually want to be drug-addicted prostitutes. You know, like, no. People don't want the bad things. They want everything good. So why are so many people missing the mark? It's because they're deceived into thinking that what is good is going to still be okay with God, even though it may, God may never have had his hand on that. So, just do it God's way. That's all he wants. And then the ride, the ride along the way is so beautiful. Because he's just right there. It's not even about his purposes and his plans. It's about the communication, the fellowship, the, the awesome journey. What we accomplish, if, if the Lord allows us to be married 50 years in terms of life on this earth, um, if, if, you know... What does a marriage accomplishment look like if there was no relationship? Yeah. It's the relationship that makes a 50-year marriage beautiful. Yeah. Not the number of years, check it off my box. Oh, great, I get a big cake and some gold stuff. You know, like, what, what is that? What is that? <laughs> it's about spending my life in closeness with the one that I love above all others. That is what God is calling us into as his bride. Father, let's, let's pray, and then I'll say, Father. Heavenly Father, God, we just love you so much. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you give us access to. Like Shannon prayed earlier at the end of worship. God, you give us access to the great I am, to our creator Elohim, to all the names of God. El Roy, the God who sees us. You meet us right where we are. And then you, you walk with us to grow and, and this, this process, this journey into our Canaan of your purpose and your plan. But with you every step of the way, it's so beautiful. God, help us to fix our eyes on that, on that and not all the fiery darts that the enemy throws our way. Help us to not look to the right or to the left, but to keep you always before us so that we will not be moved from the past that is your plan. God, I just, you make a way. And you, you promised in 1 Corinthians 10 that you will always make a way to escape the temptation. Not just the temptation of sin, but the temptation to give up and the temptation to get off the path. It's not just to deliver us from a, a, an addiction here or there or a, or a sin or a compulsion, but you, you give us a way to escape the hopelessness, the hope deferred, the, the, the crushing of the pressure of a trial. God, you always give us a way to escape. 
Because you're with us every step of the way. Thank you. I praise you. I worship you for that. God, you are worthy of so much more worship. And those of us that don't recognize how worthy you are of the worship don't know you. Because a ticket to heaven does not give us that kind of knowledge. It's getting to know you in relationship that makes us worship you and know how worthy you are. Because apart from you, we can do nothing. No matter how hard we try to control. So thank you. Drive this word home. Drive this word deep into our hearts, into the soil of our hearts that we, by our yes, cultivate, loosen, and allow that three-pronged cultivating tool, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to just dig deep and transform us and produce the fruit. Oh, God, I thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.